hello and welcome to yet another episode of Shift Podcast where we talk to individuals around the world about how they overcome their um, comfort zones and essentially just trying to help people overcome their own internal BS and to do some amazing things and to showcase that just regular people around the world are doing really impactful and awesome things and that next person can be you as well. So my name is Elena Agaragimova. I'm your host. Super excited to have Chelsea with me today. So Chelsea Robertson is an ex-school director turned rogue education entrepreneur, which I just love. So Chelsea went, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of rogue, a little bit of entrepreneur, all kind of mixed together. Yes. And we didn't plan this, but our, our t-shirt very much uh, right? um, to represent what is it that we're we are, we are here to do, right? So I love it. <laughs> Um, anyway, Chelsea, tell me a little bit more about you. Tell our audience who's Chelsea. Tell us a little about your background in terms of, I know you, you, were, you were doing a lot of things in the education space and then kind of shifted. So talk to me about the shift. Yeah, it's been a crazy year. I mean, for all of us, right? So I, since about 2006, 2007, had been working specifically in early education centers um, pretty much doing every role inside of early education centers that you could possibly imagine. And then over time, ended up directing and growing early education centers. That was kind of my specific role. So walking them through accreditation, walking them through staff turnover, you know, all of those types of things, um, which I really enjoyed because I loved being in a classroom, but I loved having the opportunity to kind of continue to multiply my impact on education and, and educators and the learners and all that as a whole. So continue to grow over that time. Um, I directed a school for about 10 years, which was so much fun. My girls got to go there, um, you know, all the way through first grade and just getting to be a part of that whole thing was amazing. And then um, got recruited to another early education center that essentially needed to be rebuilt from the inside out while the plane was still flying. So the job offer went like this. Hey, Chelsea, we have a plane. It's 30 years old kind of crashing everybody's panicking there's yelling food is being thrown um and everybody hates the pilot so would you come in be the pilot also rebuild it without landing the plane and then make sure everybody has the appropriate snacks <laughs> oh and by the way everybody will probably hate you and i was like yeah that sounds that sounds fun <laughs> totally um so in mid-december of I don't even know my years anymore, 2019. <laughs> like I, I took on this role and they were right. Everybody was not super thrilled that I was there. There was 240 students, 78 staff members. There had been a lot of transitions, all of that. Anyway, um, we had to go through the licensing and accreditation process and just rebuild the whole thing. Curriculum was outdated, practices were outdated, training, you know, all the, the whole thing. Um, it was a lot of fun. I built some really amazing relationships in it. I cried in my office several times. So that's a, <laughs> that happened. <laughs> yeah, it was a, I mean, it is a big deal. Like to touch on what you said, your mindset and your emotional intelligence and ability to have people around you and to kind of go through this is a huge part of this aside from all of like the um, credentials you have to have to do any work really, but this specific work, you have to have all that other side too. Anyway, so I did that for about a year and a half. It was great. We made a lot of progress. And then COVID happened. Um, we finished the school year out on a virtual platform that I kind of ad hoc threw together. And uh, we actually grew over that time and offered free preschool to other kids and all of that. Um, it was a lot of fun. 
And then our leadership council decided not to reopen for the coming school year. And so then I had this choice was, do I go back to what I've always been doing, what I'm good at, what I'm comfortable with, or do I jump off a cliff and, you know, do something else? And the obvious answer was the cliff. So (laughs) I jumped right off the cliff into what started out to be full-time educational consulting um, and I didn't really know what that meant. People keep saying, kept saying like, what do you do? Tell me in one sentence. And I was like, uh, I want other people to move education forward. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so what I found myself doing was just kind of jumping in head first or feet first or bottom first, like it didn't matter into projects that education companies all over the world had going on. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Ended up being involved with like some of the legislative process in Texas, working with the Texas Education Agency. Ended up working with a, um, a company out of New Zealand that did like platform development, working with inclusive playground companies on accreditation. Like it was super fun because I have ADHD, as you could probably tell, and enjoyed the whole process of all of it. Um, and then as I've been really focusing in, what I've really enjoyed of it is like the culture the relationship, the mindset, like the coaching, the emotional intelligence piece of it. So that's where I'm kind of transitioning and honing in on. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's been a year and a half of just sure. Why not? Yeah. What could go wrong? Let's do that. That sounds fine. I can totally let's do that. Yeah. (laughs) You have this whole, you have now, I think you, you, you have this whole content creation around what could go wrong. And I love it. It's so (laughs) Like people have to watch it. It's, 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 it's awesome. Yeah. And it's all about it's what funny. It, it came from a very real place. And I won't tell you the whole story. You can go back and, and see the story somewhere in my content back there. But it really did come from that school that I was at, that for the plane that I was rebuilding. And there was just, it was kind of like one ridiculous problem at a time, please, y'all. Can we just do one ridiculous problem at a time and like give me this problem next? But let me solve this one first. And people would come to me with, how are we going to this huge issue, right? And I'd be like, oh, let's try this. What could go wrong? You know, and it kind of became this thing. And it's not a derogatory thing. It's like a growth mindset kind of thing. Like, let's try it because if everyone's safe, then what could go wrong? And and that carried over into what I'm doing now. Like, well, yeah, I can work with you on legislative review. That seems, yeah, we'll go, that's fine. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. And you know, I love this point by where you're like, oh, I'm just going to, the obvious choice is to jump off the cliff. And yeah. I, I, I appreciate that very much that you're very honest to say, like, I didn't really know what I was going to be doing. You just kind of, you just went for it. And I right. think for a lot of people get stuck is in our own mind, like the fear. And I mean, granted, everybody has different circumstances and et cetera, yeah. but I think people over-exaggerate their circumstances. And in fact, that it's more the fear that stops them and the not knowing. And, but oh, sometimes yeah. you just have to do like jump oh, yeah. and do like that's it you know and so I, I so I applaud you for just jumping and being like yeah I had no idea because it was similar with me I had slight idea but not exactly I just kind of yeah. I was like oh I just don't know if I want to keep doing this and I said if yeah. I'm one year the next year doing anything it will be my own thing and going to try my own thing and that kind of and it looks very different from where I started two years ago I can tell you that yeah, um, but uh, it's it's um, it's a mindset thing, absolutely. So what what right. what has helped you in that time? I guess. Um, I mean, I also part of that is I sh- struggle, or one of my superpowers, right, is anxiety. You know, and so that can it depends on how I frame it. So I can either kind of really go deep in that and just say I can't do this because I have. Or I can say, I 
can do this even though I have or with this, right? And that was a big mindset shift for me that I had to take on personally. And I learned from other people who work in kind of scary off the cuff spaces with anxiety, because honestly, it would have been a lot easier for me to stay in a role that I was comfortable with, that I was good at, that I'd pretty much been doing my entire adult life. And my anxiety would have kind of been found inside of that. However, my ADHD was not. (laughs) So it's like either feel comfortable, your anxiety feels good and your ADHD is dying because you're bored or, you know, one or the other. So that was a really big thing. And to say that I have not experienced anxiety inside of this and fear and all of those other things would be completely inaccurate. Um, But what I've like, the one big thing that I've had to work through in it is to not try to create a space where there is no anxiety and there is no fear and say, we're not going to do these things. If I feel anxiety and fear that I'm doing something wrong and I just shifted into, I am going to feel anxiety and I am going to be feel fear. So I am going to allow that emotion to come, accept it, walk through it, and then go on to the next thing instead of my previous practice, which would have been shaming myself for you. I can't believe you're allowing yourself to feel this, that, and the other. Um, and all of that boils down into feelings are for feeling, <laughs> right? Like all of them. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was, I was, I was having this conversation with another guest recently and you know, it's, it's more of also like, what do we name those feelings? And they're just feeling mm-hmm. not yeah. who we are. Right. right. So, to, to not to accept them but not internalize them I don't know as much about this topic of course but it's just it's something you know the choice of words of what we use with ourselves because oh, I mean for sure I, I think many people suffer from anxiety in different levels of exhibit a you know yeah. but it's you know on, on different levels and 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 I think that it makes it even more courageous to go on entrepreneurship and just doing your own thing because it's a c- continuous roller coaster. And mm-hmm. even if you didn't have anxiety, you're probably going to develop it for better. Oh, but yeah, right. That's the reality of it. <laughs> it's so true. And it really is. It's all about the frame that you put around it. Um, and that's something that I'm really have seen work so much with myself that I'm now working with other people on is like, it's not about the feeling that you have. It's about the, the frame that you put around it and how you're using it forward and how you're allowing yourself to, to take it on instead of like shaming and, and hating yourself every time you feel fear or anxiety or whatever. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna feel it. Yeah, that's spot on. I love that. I think that's, that's very um, helpful for whoever's listening. Absolutely. Um, I want to loop back to education. So both of us are very passionate about education. I mean, with our startup with Western, we're of course trying to transform education and um, utilizing technology and all of that. But I'm curious from your perspective, you know, you work with different educational institutions. You're more on the K through 12, the, the, the school mm-hmm. part of it and even like early education. Talk to me about, a bit about some of the biggest challenges you've seen and some of the solutions that you're working on to, 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 get people to think future focused when it comes to education, right? Yeah. Forward thinking. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a big thing for me, kind of my, my official slogan, besides what could go wrong, I guess, if you were to go on my website, like the official Chelsea, um, it says moving education forward. So a big part of kind of what I uh, preach, I guess, is, is we have to continue to move education forward because the world is moving, education needs to move, learners need to move, right? We can't remain in this stagnant place. Um, And I was doing a podcast with some friends out of Australia and he said, they're all about the future education. And he said, 
the future of education is that we don't know the future of education, right? And that to me was so simple and yet so mind boggling because so many times we're trying to stand in front of it and say, this is what it should be. Do these five things to get to this result and everything will be better. When in reality, um, I think we should be standing alongside the learners or whoever's experiencing it and saying, let's build this together. So this concept of co-constructivism with education, with the learners, with the systems and the processes and whatever, instead of trying to cast ourselves in front of it and then give, it needs to do exactly this. Um, because I think that can be very limiting. I mean, my ability to see into the future is limited. Um, I can only assume, right, all these things about what we will need and what, what the future will look like and what learners need and all of that. Um, and so I can assume those things, but I think the most powerful thing that I can do is co-construct the next experience or the next version of education, you know, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, and then continue to let it evolve because there is no static solution. I mean, it's as if, as in technology, everything has to be dynamic or it will die, <laughs> you know? And so I think that's a big, so to answer all that, I guess, one of the biggest tools that I have seen make the biggest difference and it's really abstract and challenging, but it's mindset. I mean, it's going into it saying, I don't know everything. I can't solve all the problems, but we as learners and educators can do this together. We can co-construct this together and kind of putting aside what I've referred to as the ego of the educator. Because so often in the past, we've come up as educators, as adults, as leaders and said, we know the answer mm -hmm. um, and kind of, and also we used to hold the keys to all the information. Well, with the internet and all those things, learners can get any information that they want. They don't have to go through us. So what does it look like to set aside our ego and partner with the learners in a different way and respecting them as humans and who they are and what they bring to it um, and just coming alongside them in that. So yeah, co-constructing and having a mindset in that space, I think is the biggest tool that we can use. Uh, when, I, when I talk to education, you know, leaders in education, um, it, it's, it's always that mindset. And the first thing they tell me, like if I'm talking to the head of um, universities, for example, heads of departments, we work a lot with higher education versus yeah. so we do a little bit of the schools, but mainly on higher education side. And it's always like, yeah, but you know, our people are not ready for the change and our department, yeah, yeah. The staff are not ready for the change. And I'm just like, but we, it's always been like that education, right. uh, it's, it's, it's never been ready for a change. It's Correct. been the, the, la the last one to kind of evolve. And it's almost like when you're forced to go into it, but, you know, and to me, it's just, you know, I just still can't wrap my head around because I said, well, if you're there to educate, it is only, you know, you need to make sure you're educating for the future. Otherwise, you know, we still stick to the old way right. of doing things and, and I mean, and just everything, like you said, there's so much content, there's so much learning out there. And we need to really think about how we prepare in future generations for what's to come. And sure, there's mm -hmm. been and there's been changes, but it's not nearly as fast as this should be. And and it's 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 so strange to me because it's one of the most supported industries, if you think about it. People, you know what I mean? Like there's like certainly that it's 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 the one that maybe needs more funds and all of that. But what I'm saying is that people are on board to make sure education happens in the proper way, right? Learners are on board. So there's very little obstacles from externals, to, in my opinion. It's more internal obstacles. And usually it's around the, 
the the people within the education space um what do you think about that am i um, what, is that similar in yeah I mean, education is worldwide, like it is a part of everyone's life, hopefully, right? Um, I mean, education is a human right. Education is the future of everything. It's something you need either a formal or an informal education to get to that point. So I agree, it's, it's um, very well supported in that sense, right? Not financially in the, in the best way, but in the mindset that we need education, education is valuable and important, right? That's pretty much bought in. Everybody agrees in that manner. And so it is weird to see it in this way where technology changes overnight and shifts and changes and grows and everybody's super excited about, awesome, did you see this new thing that's happened? They seem to jump on board really quickly with technology. I mean, think of how quickly something like uh, Alexa and the Google Homes were adopted and put into homes across the nation across the world, right? That seemed, could have seemed crazy several years ago. And now it's just like, sure, yeah, I have a, I have a device in my home that gives me instant access that I talk to it. Like it controls my home. It's totally normal. It's a robot, it's fine, right? But if you try to make shifts in education that seem crazy and they could be as, as harmless as what does it look like to teach to a holistic child? People are like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, whoa, we, this is not what we do. This is not our conversation. We can't make, we can't have those conversations. We can't move anything that fast. And so I do find it shockingly different from, you know, the rest of the world where people are eager to change and grow and thrive and do all those things. And then you get into education and we're still functioning in the same way that education was built inside this factory system from 1800s. Like that doesn't make sense if our cars were the same cars that were built originally, we would have problems. And yet we're okay that our education system looks essentially the same as the original. It just, it doesn't make sense. It's crazy. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what to think about it. It's, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I've given up trying to understand it, to be honest. It's like, okay, let's sure. solutions and see who wants, who wants in on it, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> technology can support us and and education for the future to move it forward well i mean technology is arguably the future as we see it right now and we've seen that a lot happen inside of this pandemic and the way that technology became infinitely more important in our day-to-day um but i i think the coolest part of technology that i've seen in this is the ability to kind of tear down walls in between the world and bring all of us together. Like, you know, pre-technology or pre even the, the, the pandemic, I would have not met so many people in education that are doing all these things. You know, it tear down, it tear down, it tears down these walls that we've had before schools become more global workspaces become more global. Everything suddenly opens up. If I want to have a meeting with somebody in Australia, let's do it. That's easy. Just send them a, you know, an invite. And it's, it seems so normal to us now. But if you really think about it, this is some major drastic improvement and opportunities that live inside of that. For example, my daughter, this school year went to a global student led school called Galileo. And so she would get off of classes or calls or clubs, and was like, Oh, yeah, I had one friend from Turkey, I had one friend from France, I had one friend from, you know, Japan, or whatever. And we were talking about what their dinner looks like. This is an experience that, you know, we can try to give to our kids in North Richland Hills, Texas, you know, to, to tell them these things. However, putting them in a 
global classroom with other learners who are just speaking about it as if it's normal, that's an experience that our kids couldn't have had however many years ago. And I think that's one of the biggest thing is bringing together learners into one global classroom, um, theoretically, and giving them the chance to kind of learn and grow from each other and see what they'll build and how can they use technology as the platform for what the learners are going to do next. I think that just blows my mind. It's just such a cool concept. That, that's a very cool concept, actually. Um, that, that's really brilliant. It's, it, it not only makes it accessible and affordable, um, but it, it also creates this almost the, the, the connects us as humans, right? And, you know, if we're able to connect at an early age with other people from around the world and understand that there's differences and that there's similarities and that there's different perspectives, then we can, I mean, that, that, that's where it's at because most of conflict mm-hmm. comes because of the fact that we don't understand each other or right. we fear the other because we think they're different, they are different. So we fear mm-hmm. the difference. So if we're able to be exposed to the different from as early as possible and understand that, yeah. They're just like us and, you know, and families are families around the world and dinner, dinner table is dinner table, you know, yeah. and the, the conversations are going, the, the, everything is, I mean, people are people at the end of the day. Right. Um, and, and I think that, that, that's, that's brilliant. Um, you mentioned something about the holistic uh, child. So you, uh, talk to me about mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? And also when it comes to curriculum, because I feel like that's where we're, we're lacking a little bit as well. What does that mean to be able to cater to the the kid of the future? Right. Yeah. So um, my biggest experience with this is inside of early education. And and this, unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not entirely sure, is a much bigger accepted topic inside of early education. Like if you talk about how are we training or teaching or educating a holistic child with early educators, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Right. Because it comes more naturally in those first eight years, first five years, they are learning everything all at once. And they're holistically learning everything, their whole body, mind, experience, um, spiritual, academic, you know, all of that. We are potty training them and introducing them to their colors, you know, so that becomes a lot simpler um, and more well-received. But recently we've seen a shift inside of it. Like a lot of training that I used to do with my teachers and that I, I still do is, whole brain, how are we teaching to the whole brain child? Um, So both sides of their brain, the front part of their brain, the back part of their brain, how are we able to teach to them um, when they're in fear, when they, you know, retreat to their amygdala, how are we allowing them to express those feelings and emotions and walk through them and get to the other side? So I think at its very basic level, it's allowing, like we talked about at the beginning, feelings are for feeling. It's then allowing space for learners to be able to Uh, understand, experience, well, experience and understand, express who they are, what they, what they are, what they feel. And so often in education settings, uh, in many settings, but in education settings specifically, we expect this very specific thing. Raise your hand if you want to talk, you know, do not speak out of turn, don't get out of your chair. If you're frustrated, keep it to yourself because we're in the middle of a lesson, you know, all of those types of things. And some of those are, are important for us to be able to function in a mass education system. However, they're not necessarily catering to a holistic child. Um, and it, it, the, it's really just allowing for that space of you're feeling frustrated um, and allowing the learner to be in that frustration and then say, and have the tools of why am I feeling frustrated? 
what triggered this? What can I do next? What can I do differently next time? Um, and I don't know, it, you know, it's just giving them the tools to understand who they are. And I think that comes from building a relationship with them. Um, but it's just getting out of our very strict, we're only here to teach them math yeah. and seeing them as these are real humans, like full humans with experiences and emotions and all of that. And so as I'm teaching them math, how are, am I also catering to them as a real life human? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, uh, yeah. And I, I think, I mean, again, we're, we're shifting towards that, but there's a long way to go. Absolutely. And, you know, beyond kind of uh, the beyond early education, For you sure. know, and then, and then it's, you know, it's, and then we ask why, why is it by the time they reach university, they're not able to decide on certain things. And I was like, well, yeah, because at some point we stop giving them the, you know, we stop letting them think for themselves. Oh, and yeah. It's yeah. not enough to just do like a little bit of critical thinking exercises. Mm-hmm. It's just right. not, there, there, yeah. there needs to be that holistic approach throughout. Um, and, you know, so, so I think we're going to see drastic changes in this in the, in the next two to five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I mean, the silver lining of the whole pandemic is that it's sped up so much in education and the way, yeah. we, the way we teach and the way we learn uh, and the way we operate as educators, as organizations as well. So I think it's, I don't know. I think that was the silver lining and I'm really excited to see what's to come and to be part of the, of the change that's happening as well. Sure, It's it's exciting things. So let me ask you this. So what has, so to shift back a little bit towards you and your experience, what were some of the, I guess I'm sure there's been a lot of lessons and a lot of learnings, but what would you say are the two things that you've learned about yourself uh, through, through this journey of kind of just jumping off a cliff, doing something different Ah, two, only two. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, however many you want, but uh, yeah, no, I think um, I should kind of caveat that answer with at the same time that I was rebuilding what I wanted my role in education as a career to look like, I was also kind of dismantling and, and remantling my entire life. Like, do I believe this? Why do I believe it? Does it align with who I am going to be right in every piece, like my family, my relationships, my, my religion, my all of that. So I had several things happening all at one time um, in my world, in alignment, or at the same time as this career thing. So, um, but I think one of the biggest things that I learned about myself and I shared a little bit about it in the beginning was um I am regardless of how many breathing techniques I try or how well prepared I am or how much I've researched it or whatever um going to feel fear and anxiety I just am so it's not whether or not I'm going to feel it it's what I'm going to do when I experience it and how I'm going to treat myself inside of it um and so that was a really big thing that I've not only gotten to learn, but then also practice on the daily, sometimes the minutely (laughs) of, yeah, I'm feeling this. Um, I'm going to allow myself to feel it and then move on from it. And so that's one huge thing. Um, Feelings are for feeling. And then I think another thing is inside of the what could go wrong mindset is kind of what I call it for myself. Like this is a what could go wrong mindset, right? is I, in that space, I am much more likely to go, yeah, sure, right? Like, sure, totally, I can do that. Um, And 
that's different. And I've always done that for myself inside of my professional role as a school director, because I was confident in that role. I'd done it for forever. You know, I knew that I could do it. And so it was like, oh yeah, let's do that. When I stepped outside of that into a larger world, um, people were coming to me with tasks that I had never experienced. And I was, you know, never didn't have any background history for and being able to say, you know, with a general understanding, yeah, I could complete that, right? I'm not like building rockets. I don't know how to do that. But in my, in my general space, I was able to say, can I, do I think that I could accomplish that, learn something from it and provide them with a quality something, you know, like, yeah, what could go wrong? Like, sure, totally. And so allowing myself to take on things that um, I would have previously thought were too hard or I was not good enough for, you know, like confronting that imposter syndrome um, face first and, and just saying, you know, I do have the skills necessary to complete this. And if I don't, then I will let them know, or I will ask for help, but I do have the skills necessary to complete this and let's do it. I can do more than I think that I can. And that was another big, those were the two biggest kind of mindset pieces that I took on feelings are for feeling and what could go wrong (laughs) in all of this. I love it. I love it. Um, honestly, I mean, it's so it's, it's practical. It's practical because I think it just shifts the perspective. Feelings are for feelings and to yeah. stop fighting it and to, you know, with all the, with all the personal development things that are out there and they tell you to not think certain things and, not, you know, but then there's sometimes we just have to yeah. feel the way that we feel and, you know, work with it, manage it. We don't need to figure out where it came from or anything. It's just sometimes it's just, it is what it is. Let's roll with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, just trust yourself that, you know, and I love the, the piece about imposter syndrome because essentially it's just about trusting yourself, trusting yeah. yourself that you don't know it yet, but you're, you know, the whole growth mindset piece, right? right, right. You don't know it yet, but you're going to figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and, and that's it. And I think that is the biggest blocker for many people. So I think that yeah. you're able to, recognize that and to 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 find ways to apply that i think that's that's gold right there honestly and and, and for, for for anybody I, really yeah i agree and if if we to to go back to kind of what we had talked about about holistic education like what does that look like those two mindsets you know right there i think are a huge part of if we were to give those types of tools to learners now at birth through 18 instead of you know us having to ex- find them out and experience them for themselves in our thirties, what would their thirties look like? Like if they don't have to learn these types of things because they've already experienced it inside of their education, how much further could they go um, than we have? Like that is the beautiful part of what we can offer in a holistic education is giving them the tools now instead of yeah. them having to learn them on their own later. Way difficult and uh, working with adult learners, it's a different, different ball game altogether different challenges. Um, listen, uh, before I ask you a final question, I, first of all, I love your content that you brought out on LinkedIn. I think everybody should follow you on LinkedIn. I'm definitely going to share your profile. Um, what could go wrong is, is awesome. I love it. I love the conversations you have with your guests. Where else can they find you? Where's your website? Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn's my favorite. Um, that's kind of the place that I hang out the most. I'm also on Instagram, Chelsea.Robertson. Um, that one's a bit more You never know what you might. I think I ranted about something over there this morning. So you never know what you might find over there. Um, I have a channel on Giphy. If you're looking for all of my gifts you're talking about. So if you go to Giphy and and search my name, you can find like a whole channel of all the gifts that I've ever 
made, which, you know, that's kind of fun. Just for that alone, that the people should watch. (laughs) Yeah, that's really fun. Um, And then what can go wrong live is on all the major podcasting spaces. Um, So yeah, those are, that's me. Nice, nice. Thanks. So last question, if you had a magic wand to transform the education, the whatever's early education, what would that be? What would you like to see happen in education? Hmm. Um, I think my magic wand would be very similar to all the things that we've already, already discussed, like the ability to give educators everywhere, this mindset of how are we going to empower the learners, um, whatever that may look like, instead of saying, how are we going to give the learners what we feel like they need, uh, rather shifting that to how are we going to empower the learners to be who they are going to be, not who we feel like they should be. So yeah, if we could just kind of shift that tiny bit, just a little small change. (laughs) That would be my magic wand. One mindset at a time. Yeah. One mindset at a time. (laughs) This is what this podcast is all about. Just shifting perspectives, opening up minds, hopefully to different, to different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, listen, brilliant. Thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to continuing to engage with you and keep doing your posts. I love them. I'm sure the audience will enjoy it very much as well. So I'll definitely share your content details on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, until next time. Awesome. Thank you.